It's Craggy Island Rugby, the Edinburgh edition. We're in the back of a taxi heading to the ground. Indeed we are, Rob. Very exciting. First, my first visit ever to Murrayfield. And uh, it's a huge game for Connacht tonight. It's, it's a game that means something at this time of the year. We've been looking for this type of rugby for so long. And uh, just another opportunity to finish off this little segment of matches before we get our longest two-week break of the year. Thank you, Pro 12 Rugby. We had to cut that intro a little bit short because our taxi driver wanted to chat to us. Yeah, he's a talkative man. Very, very friendly. Uh, he's not used to people doing podcasts in the back of his car. He didn't know what we were doing. No, I don't think he did. So, <laughs> But I mean, worth uh, he's no interest in Scottish rugby mainly because he feels it's only played in the posh schools and... Uh, he said he knows nothing about it. He'd be a middle-aged chap, maybe in his maybe in his early sixties. So that's that is an issue that Scottish rugby has been accused of before. So Sinderson, first first person we met today to actually say it, no real malice in it. But uh, we're at Murrayfield now. Uh, we're at the wrong gate, so we're going to have to walk all around this. This happens every time I come here. It's like a, like there's usually a two-year gap, and I think it's nearly three now. I always end up in the wrong gate, and it's the biggest walk. Anyways, and one other thing about taxi driver. I don't know who's the name of the uh, very important person he used to drive for. I didn't catch that, did you? It was the Lord Provost. Right. And he says, what, what was his exact story there? Uh, his only trip to Murrayfield? Yeah, his only trip to Murrayfield. He watched the first half and he left at half time, went back to the car so he could listen to the soccer in the second half. <laughs> so there you have it. All right, well, we just try and get in the ground and then we can start previewing things. Murrayfield's looking good today. The skies are clear. Williams just informed me that half of... Uh, Greater Britain, if you want, is enveloped in snow down in England, and we're quite lucky to have missed it. Looks like it's going to be a cold night, but a dry night for good rugby. We're looking forward to it. Indeed, we are. First of all, we have to walk for about two miles. Anyways, no complaints. Part two of our intro, um, we have our headphones on, we're ready to go here on Galway FM. Just saying, William, you know, just before we start the commentary, I was saying, I'm doing a reboot. I'm thinking to myself, as this game develops now, if Connacht are making breaks, if they're scoring some amazing tries, we have to kind of capture that in the commentary, but at the same time, we have to kind of acknowledge the fact that no one should be shocked. No, I don't think anybody will be shocked. Um, we've been playing a particular brand of rugby, which is sometimes it's a little bit... It, I'm almost starting to feel it's a little bit high risk, but maybe that, that's just my temperament. But they're playing at speed. It's a very wide pitch. We're a long way from it. The far touchline looks in a different country. It's so far away. Um, so there's plenty of room here for kicks in behind. You'll get value for them if you can get width on the ball at speed. And that's what Connacht have been trying to do, the offloading game. Edinburgh are usually a more uh, structured side, uh, but we'll see tonight what they do. They need to win this game as well, so that should make for a really good clash. And then both teams are going to the little break, the two-week break. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and I see how that plays out. Big game tonight, two strong sides picked. We'll check back with you at halftime. You were chatting to Andy Nicholl. We have some interviews coming up. We're hoping to get uh, Tom English afterwards as well. He works for Irish Journalist now, working in Scotland here and, and well involved in rugby and soccer over here. Yeah, Andy Nicholl was, was, was interesting. Just just about Scottish rugby and uh, also his views on, on where Connacht are and uh, what they're trying to do. Well, we run that now, just as the listeners kind of take them into what he was thinking and the conversation we had before the game. Yeah, why not? Well, we're in the Bill McLaren Media Centre here at Murrayfield, about 45 minutes to kick off, and I'm with Andy Nicholl, Scottish legend, uh, played for International Rugby for Scotland, and a two-time tourist with the British and Irish Lions. Andy, welcome to Craggy Island Rugby Podcast. I'm going to start by just asking you to give us a view on what you think might happen this evening. Well, I think, I'm, I'm, personally, I'm really looking forward to seeing Connor play because I haven't seen them live all season, uh, but I've been really impressed, obviously, with the league position, top of the league. And uh, I spoke to Pat Lamb during the World Cup, and it was just before there was a block, I think, of about 13 or 14 games back-to-back. And this was the last weekend. We were up in Newcastle for the, um, for the Scotland... Uh, some more game I think it was and then he was uh, going to be focusing obviously everything on Connor and he said he, he told me he had a lot, he had a lot of good players um, some not 
particularly well known out with from uh, out with Galway, maybe. But I've been just really impressed um, watching the highlights of them. So hence why I'm really looking forward to seeing them play live tonight. I'd be honest. I think we may be a little shocked that they're top of the league. Do you think that's the general consensus around the the other Pro 12 teams? Um, yeah, but they deserve to be there. And this is always going to be a, a, a unique season because of the World Cup. And there's a lot of the teams have, have I suppose, been more affected by international call-ups than, than Connor and they've probably had more consistency in selection which which does, does help there's no doubt about it and you, know, you only have to look at you know, Gregor Townsend I know very well and you know, at times you had 20 players missing with international call-ups and you, 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 that's, there's no continuity when you've got that situation so it's difficult but you've still got to win the games and um, and so Connor have done really really well they've won tight games they've scored tries as well so they've really developed their game I think over the last few years which uh, you know in many ways they're a bit like Leicester City in the English Premiership of the football isn't it they're still at the top everyone expects them to, to, to blow up at some point but they're still there and you're now in a really strong position um, for Champions Cup rugby next year which will be uh, interesting but definitely you know, playoffs and, and who knows what else so yeah, I've been really impressed Just looking at overall Scottish rugby with you've, you've two professional uh, teams here Glasgow and Edinburgh um, there's a little. There was a big surprise, I think, to us when the borders went, because that was a heartland area of Scottish rugby. Um, can you see a situation in the future where they might be able to re-establish there and look to, to bring maybe the, the, the more outlying areas in? Well, listen, we, we, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place here in Scotland. Two, two professional sides is, is too few, but we can't afford a third currently. And so you'd rather have two well-funded, well-resourced teams than having three um, partially funded. Um, the Borders was a heart, heartland of Scottish rugby, but uh, that was before professional rugby kicked in. There's two things you need for professional rugby to exist, and that's commerce and the population, and the Borders just doesn't have that. Um, and so um, if, if Scotland were to get a third pro team, Aberdeen would be the, the obvious location because it's got both those things, commerce, it's got business, and it's got population. Um, that, that, at the moment, is not... Um, um, on on the horizon, and so you've just got to make best use of of the resources. Glasgow obviously have been uh, had the success last year winning the Guinness Pro 12. Edinburgh have been a work in progress for uh, for a couple of years, but you can see this year uh, we a bit like Connacht. They've not been as affected by some of the international call-ups, and they've had a, a, a much better season. And they're in, in the mix certainly for top four, for top six, all all what they've not been for the last few years. So. We're trying to make the best out of what we've got. And I, I, I think at the moment, as I say, I'd rather have two properly funded competitive teams who are up, up in the, the playoff area of the Pro 12 rather than three with one poorly funded or two poorly funded and one you know, funded properly. So it's a very difficult one, but I think we're making the best of the situation at the moment. They say... If you want to get the heartbeat of a city, ask a taxi driver. When we were coming up here this evening, our taxi driver was a very chatty, friendly chap, and he he just made an offhand comment about rugby. He asked, was there a game on? And he said, ah, the problem with Scottish rugby is it's only played in the posh schools, and I never got a chance to play. This would be a guy maybe in his 60s, and I've no interest in it. Now, there was no real malice to it, but I, I was just wondering, is that a sort of a fair comment? Well, there's a there's there's a lot of truth in that, um, but but also there's there's a huge amount of investment made both in, in in money but also time in trying to generate interest in, in rugby in the inner cities and places that maybe are not traditionally a rugby um, town or or area. But yeah, we, we are fighting against football. Football is the number one by a country mile, and so you know I, I'm from Dundee and uh, Dundee is a you know, big city, two hundred fifty thousand, but it's just football dominated. And so two teams in the in the in the SPFL, and so that's that's where the focus is. So we're we are picking up the crumbs off the table, and um, but there's there's just there's huge effort going into it. But that we're not going to change that. That's society, unfortunately. Um, but we're we're trying to make the best of what we've got. OK, half-time here, and it's Connacht 14, Edinburgh nil. Two nice tries, McGinty with the first, and uh, Jake Heenan at the back of them all with the second, to think about that for a second. Lots of other chances, real domination from Connacht, and we're hanging on in there. Let's start with the positives for 32 minutes, as good as an away performance. Have we done all season, maybe? Um, yeah, possibly. I think um, they start. It started off Connacht playing 
very much at high speed and Edinburgh playing at Edinburgh speed. Connacht have actually slowed it down and become a little bit more clinical in what they're doing. Where they'll be a little frustrated is they got Edinburgh down to 14 men. Um, absolutely correct yellow card for somebody trying to pull down a rolling mall that was going to go over the line. Uh, but Connacht then seemed to just switch off slightly and Edinburgh managed to coast through the end of that. Losing Tiernan O'Halloran for probably nine minutes of the second half is going to be a little bit tricky. But they're 14 and up. They're playing well. They're playing better rugby. They're running better lines. They're offloading the ball better and quicker. But Edinburgh are dogged and they're very, very determined. They, this is this is what they do. It's like watching Edinburgh. I've been watching for years. This is this is just Edinburgh doing in Edinburgh. Yeah, sticking in there, keeping in the game. Last minute, Marmion's clearance kick got Connacht into a bit of trouble. O'Halloran, though, just a rush of his blood to head to dive into attack a lot high and he's deservedly in the sin bin. Bit of a test for Connacht in the second half. I don't think they've lost any game from when leading at half time. I'll double check that stat before I get back uh, uh, in the uh, second half of the commentary. But they got to win this from a 14 0 position. If they don't, we'll be very grumpy, I guess. Yeah, we will be. But if we think we're grumpy, they're going to be absolutely livid. So they, they, they won't be entertaining that. They just have yeah. to be clinical, organised. The bench is going to be important. Quinn Roos played really well for a man who's been missing for months and he's only going to do a certain amount of time so when they bring the, the guys on to get up to the speed of the game or almost the non-speed of the game it's it's you can almost come off the bench and try to do things too quickly and put too much in because Connacht are really determined to try to do the right thing half time Connacht 14 nil up I don't know if you can hear that, but there's about 200-odd Connacht fans here in Murrayfield, the biggest supporters I've ever seen in Murrayfield for Connacht, roaring as the entire Connacht team goes over to salute them. This journey, I don't know where it's going to lead us to, William, but right now... Boy, is it enjoyable following Connick 28-23. Wow. Well, I, I'm a long time waiting, Rob. I'm waiting lo- longer than a lot of people, I expect. Uh, but this is just wonderful stuff. This is this is a rock and roll ride. It's it's a bit nerve-wracking. The way they play at times is, is a bit loose. Some of the offloads tonight... But I've actually changed my tune. I, at times, was criticising that because I, I'm old school. I was brought up to believe you, you, you held what you had. But Connacht don't play that way. The fears of Aunt Rye ringing out here as the Connacht team walk across the pitch. It's a really defiant message from those Connacht fans there as well. And a defiant message from the team. As the Edinburgh team stand in a huddle there, they have so much talent in this Edinburgh side. They have so much belief. They expect to win these games. They expect to be connected home. We're the first team to put a bonus point on them anywhere this season. It's only the second time they've lost at home this season. Uh, And they came back in the second half very bravely. Maybe a little bit because we let them in, but that's, that's irrelevant. Look, the job is done. Connacht coming off, they'll be absolutely thrilled with that. They'll look at certain aspects of it, but they've such belief in this system. They just keep doing what they believe is the right thing. They don't compromise, and that's what's got them to the top of the league. And Easter Saturday afternoon, top of the table clash against Leinster in Galway at the sports ground. Get your tickets now, because you won't get them on the day. You won't get in. It's going to be jammed up there we'll talk more later about the fans but there's easily 200 probably more uh, here and then they'll get another reception as they come off well done to all them as well well done to everyone who's listening lots more to come in this podcast but I've got to go and get some interviews you've got to get some audio i got to go and get some interviews as well so uh, let's get busy see you later game section of the podcast and we're 12 hours removed from the game I decided to just, you know, sleep on it and see where, we, where our thoughts were the next day. William Davis, Connacht, top of the table. I'm sure you took a little glance at it when you woke up this morning. Well, I had a look at the Scotsman, which confirmed that for me, uh, the local newspaper. And it's nice to reflect on it. Connacht were up this morning, I think, at 5am and on an 8am flight back to Dublin. Uh, we're taking a little bit more leisurely, or leisurely even. God, that's dreadful Americanism. And... Um, we're ready. We're we're just packing up here. It's it's a nice feeling. It's a job well done. They go into a nice break now, which I think they'll use to 
rest the weary bones and uh, get themselves ready for the final five games of the Pro 12. Yeah, this break is important. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the Scotsman. The headline was Edinburgh's brave fight pack falls just short. Obviously, the partisan coverage, as I always say, not biased, is, is from their angle. But what was interesting is the way they assess Connacht as a team that, you know, played with ambition and uh, really, really liked to give everything they got. And I think they've been compared with Japan. So it, it kind of, it, in one sense, they're, they're impressed with what we're doing, but in another sense, they don't really get it. They think this is a plucky underdog doing some amazing things. It's going to take a wee while before people really get into their heads that Connacht are possibly doing what Glasgow did uh, last season. Uh, I think they were described as Japan with uh, ambition, was, no, was, his, was his line. Um, great. Let them keep thinking that. Hopefully the other teams will think that, but... Problem is, we're playing three inter-pro matches in the next five, and those teams won't no. approach Connacht in that fashion whatsoever. Yeah, and that helps us when 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 the t- mindset in places like Edinburgh and maybe in parts of Wales is is that this is a, a team that we just need to focus on, and, and they like to move the ball and they're lively, and they could they could catch out. And as Alan Solomon's, we'll hear from him a little bit later, said, you know, two two mistakes from us in the second half and it cost us the game. Uh, that kind of uh, terminology is fine, but it does play into the fact that that suits us just fine. But you're dead right, Leinster. Munster, Ulster, they're not buying that this is Japan with ambition, they're buying that this is a real threat to their status uh, among the top three, if you like, within the Irish province. Yes, quite funny actually, Alan Solomons has coached teams for years who would turn over two errors in a second half and win a game, so maybe he feels his thunder's been stolen. Um, let them think what they want. They, the only way, place to find Connacht at the moment on the table, they have to look up, and that's the best way to keep it. We get some audio from the game yesterday, so I was chatting to Pat Lamb, and I also got to talk to a couple of other voices there as well, Danny Qualter and uh, Sean O'Brien, who uh, are both obviously two of the younger players coming through the Connacht Academy, local boys. Danny, of course, from Roscommon and uh, Sean O'Brien from Galway City itself. Both of them doing quite well with the Connacht team at the moment and uh, they were good talkers as well. So we'll start with them and then we'll hear from Connacht coach Pat Lamb. All right, Sean, you're really settled into this side now. Uh, talk me through that win and talk me through how you felt over the last couple of weeks playing with these lads and, and, and getting these results. Oh, I'm just I'm floating air at the moment, to be honest. I'm just happy to get the opportunity, a couple of injuries, and I got a shot, so I'm just doing my best to kind of fit in and try and fit into all the systems that Pat has put in place. Those systems are really paying off. Connick start games well, and that's really important to what you do. Those couple of scores early on are the key to the win, aren't they? Yeah, look, everyone is buying into it big time because like, we've seen how, how well it's working. So we're going out there, everybody knows their roles, everybody knows what they're going to do and we go out there and we go all guns blazing in for the first for the first 20 minutes and it's really paying off for us. Okay, so you came off towards the end but you were still on when things were really slipping away. How much does what you're buying into and your belief in the system get you through situations where you concede 15 unanswered points and look like you're nearly going to lose it? Like, <laughs> Well, uh, there's a big next job focus in the team. Like, So when things start to go wrong like that, we just focus on the next job and we get back to our systems and we, we work on that and that's what gets us through it generally. Yeah, and those tries after halftime, Bundy's popping up with some crucial ones at times and that one was a big one, wasn't it? Yeah, look, a couple of the players on the team have that little bit of X factor. Bundy being one of them, he just can pull something out of nowhere. So it's great when you see something like that. Big pitch tonight, dry pitch. Last couple of weeks, it suits the way you want to play, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. We're, we're looking to play to play the width and to stretch teams, so it, it definitely suits our style of play. Where, where were you listening to those Connacht fans? Did you hear them? They were in great voice. Oh, it was it was absolutely unbelievable to hear the field Bath and Rye. It sounded like there was more of our supporters here than there was theirs. It was absolutely amazing, really, from rerunning out there and hearing it. Are you looking forward to the break, or you nearly want to just get back to rugby pretty quick as well? Um. I suppose you're always looking forward to a break. It's nice to, to take a step back from it for a while, but yeah, in the back of our minds, it's all, it's all about the next game, all about Leinster at home. That's a massive game for us, and we're really looking forward to a full sports game for it. It's going to be top of the table. It's going to be a sellout, I'd imagine. Yeah, you'd assume so. The support has been great so far this year, so hopefully we have a full sports game and we can go and get another win for them. Well done. Cheers, thanks very much. Danny, I was just talking to Sean O'Brien there. You're another player who's just got your chance in the last couple of weeks and it just so happens to coincide with a brilliant run for Connacht. Yeah, we're on a riding the crest of a wave really at the moment now and um, I think the good thing about our squad at the moment is like there's so much competition that like if one lad goes down and one lad gets injured or unavailable, like the next guy will step in and is able to step up to the plate and that's a big, a big plus that we've built in the squad this year. 
and it's a real team effort. You have a nice little perspective then as you come into the side, the sense of belief that these lads have. You know, you take a situation like the way that game finished, you had to come onto the pitch when things were slipping a little bit. Talk to me about the belief that the players have and, and the disregard they have for the momentum that was against them. Um, yeah, well, like that's one thing that Pat and the coaches have managed to instill is like that belief that we can score from anywhere at any time and even if we do get down like it's our next job focus so if we do make a mistake just get up and get on with it and go to the next job you know and that, like there's no point dwelling on the past just keep going keep pushing forward and you see there for Owen's try we were under the cost there for a while and we managed to get up the pitch and uh, he scored a great try off the base of the scrum and there was a sense when you got into that 22 every one of you knew you had to score there yeah well like that's the championship moments that we talk mm. about like um you know, there was moments on come around, like I think it was 72 minutes into the game or 73, I'm not too sure now, but um, it's just all about when you get those chances at that time of the game, like you have to nail them, like because turn over the ball there, like they could come down and they could have easily just lost it, like you know. This sets up a, a top of the table clash with Leinster, probably a sold out sports ground. You saw the support you have there. Can you sense the momentum around the team as well in terms of like that kind of huge crowd that travelled to Murrayfield today? Yeah, it's amazing, like, um, like it's usually valued by the team, like everybody involved, like understands that. Um, the support we get like is massive, like you know, and uh, it's, it's it's great to feed off that during the game, like and hearing the roars of Connacht there, the fields of Athenry being sang around the stadium and Murrayfield, like it's it's a nice feeling. And even after the game, like the like singing the fields of Athenry and all that, it's it's great, like and um, it's <clears throat> something we're able to feed off during the game, and it gives us that extra little boost to get us over the line. So hopefully now for the rest of the season we'll get get a few uh, sold out sports ground and a bit of noise, and uh, teams might be a bit a bit afraid coming out to the sports ground. Um, another big win 24 points from 25 now we're all trying to sit back and contemplate exactly how well Connacht have done over the last few weeks but in pure statistics alone it's phenomenal yeah it's a massive effort from the boys not many teams are going to come in and get 5 points uh, these guys tackle percentages at the top in the, in the league um, if you run straight they'll make tackles so you need to ask questions and that's what we said you know we're going this week if we just run straight direct uh, they'll just knock you over so we have to put some pressure and you know do a few of our team plays and uh, we opened up a few times and and then we had to, some courageous defense to try and keep them out because they counterattack really well and uh, you know hopefully it seemed like a good game to me for, for the, the the neutral but I was just glad we had an eight point lead at the end because uh, I don't know if I would have survived the end. But it's, uh, it's, it's a big effort, great effort. Surprisingly, maybe dominant first half, 76% territory. I think it was maybe 60-odd percent possession. Yeah. It really changed in the second half, though. Yeah, we, we spoke about it at halftime. I showed a few clips at halftime around um, that, you know, the, the options we were taking and you know, just emphasising that they're the ones under pressure when we're five metres from the line. We don't need to panic and rush and just pick off the holes. And unfortunately, we were running into uh, probably taking the wrong options and, and, and rushing things. Um, but, you know... Um, we, uh, we certainly uh, tidied a, a bit of that area up, but I think the, the other big lesson is, you know, do you want to run or do you want to tackle? And every time we kicked the ball and we kicked it, didn't kick it out, they came back at us and put us under a lot of pressure and they scored a couple of good tries where, you know, we, if we, we talked about keeping hold of the ball and putting them under pressure, and, but it was, uh, it was a tough game. 15 unanswered points conceded. Lesser teams would have really, really found it hard to wrestle back the momentum. Were you worried? How worried were the were, were the management team? Yeah, you know, no. Like, there's a lot of character in this, in this team, and uh, you know, when we get under the adversity, you know, we lost 10 and for half time and uh, defended, and they came out, you know, really, uh, you know, guns blazing in the second half, and um, you know, and we again just character gets us through, and you know, now a lot's made of our defense, and you know, uh, but there's a lot of pressure, a lot of scramble there, a lot of guys working off the ball and uh, it's just good to hold them out. Two high quality teams beaten in the last couple of weeks because some of Edinburgh's rugby in the second half was really, really yeah. special stuff from the back line. We saw it from the Ospreys last week. I guess that's where you're most satisfied with work on it. Well, I am because it's not a normal game. It's games we played Ospreys and Edinburgh where they are, we've got teams who are desperate to win. Mm. So they're going to, they, you know, they, they, it's, it's this season on the line trying to get through and so we know to be able to, to win and win five points and against a team that is coming at you pretty hard and they did and a quality team uh, away from home is, is is a phenomenal effort, and um, you know uh, again we we we've stretched our record out to 59 now and 12 wins, uh, but now we get a good break, 
boys deserve a good breakaway, and then, we'll, then we get a good build into uh, what's going to be a massive game at home against Leinster. Top of the table clash as well, but the momentum is building. You can see it even from a travelling supporter as big as you'll ever see yeah. Edinburgh. The noise they made tonight. There's a real amount of uh, momentum building right around this team. Oh, I, I think right around our province. You know, I get, again, I get a lot of messages from people all around the, the five provinces, uh, the five counties, and uh, you saw the crowd come in, and it is it's building nicely, and, and, and everyone you know deserves it. You know, this is what we. Do is for is for for all the people, and uh, that's that's what I always say when I when we came. If we understand who we represent and what we play for, and then we understand each other and work hard together, um, you know, amazing things can happen against the odds. Well, considering the victory, William, we're going we're going to town on the post game audio. Uh, some great great words there from from the young lads, and they're all good speakers, and they're all confident young men, and that comes across on the pitch. Uh, it does. It comes across when you meet them as well. Um, they, they're not arrogant. They're confident, and there's a big difference in that. And they, I've said, said last week, said it again, they fit into the pattern. I, I don't think the excuse of I'm new and I didn't really understand it would ever be accepted by this management team. You, you have to be ready to go. You have to understand what they're doing, and you've got to buy into it, and they all do. And John Muldoon, their captain, leads them very well. You know, there was a real moment in the commentary yesterday where we said it when Matt Healy knocked on, and I don't know if the Dennis Buckley knock-on came, on, came after it or before it, but on the second of them, he threw his hands up in the air the same way everyone from Connacht threw their hands up in the air, but then you could quickly see him gathering his composure and saying, I need to rally my troops, and in those last 13 minutes, John Muldoon stood up, and let's not forget that big uh, turnover he got on his own line with three minutes to go. That was a huge turnover because he'd been pinged for doing something similar earlier on and he'd looked... Do you know what he said to me afterwards, just to jump in there, uh, uh, when I asked him about that before the interview, he said, because I said, you seem to be on your feet for that, and he said, yeah, but the referee said that one our tackler hadn't rolled away, he was still holding to the player on the ground, so it just shows you sometimes that little bit of extra information can back that up, but yes, carry on, sir. So that would suggest that he did look rather fed up with that decision, but it wasn't a decision. It was actually the tackler who hadn't mm. rolled away. He was fed up with, mm. and that's what you can't get from the sideline. You can only get that when you you get right into the nitty gritty. He was immense in the last period of time because it it really did get shaky. Um, not the, it didn't collapse into a heap, but they were just under pressure, and it needed people to make calm decisions. That strip, three minutes from time, was probably the final nail in Edinburgh's coffin. He was around the pitch, uh, cajoling, driving forward, and that's what he does. And, I mean, let's face it, he's been playing Connacht for Connacht now, what, 13, 13 seasons? This is the best season that he's ever known. So he's in a completely different place to uh, where Connacht have been previously. So he must be enjoying it, and he must feel that it's a vindication of him staying here. He's had to wait a long time. He's gone through some tough times with Connacht. Um, but last night when the players went over, we, we may have alluded to it earlier, but when they went over to the Connacht fans who were there, it was a very special moment because it's a real testimony to where we are now. And they can sit back for a little bit. They need a break. And then they've got to get ready to go again. But he'll be the man to take them into that. Connacht captain John Muldoon, I mean, I'm just trying to put it into context. Everyone is. Look, people have gone past, way past uh, anything other than full belief in what you guys can achieve on the rugby pitch, but we still can't help checking the table, checking the last five games, looking at 24 points for 25 and going, wow, what are you thinking in that regard? Yeah, um, it, obviously we're delighted with the, the outcome of the last couple of weeks and we're sitting pretty at the top of the table. And um, if you said 24 points out of 25... We'd have bit your hand off if you if you told us we were going to win this morning. We would have bitten your hand off to score five tries. Um, sorry, to score four tries and have five points coming home. We're absolutely delighted. But I suppose um, from our point of view, we still have a few things to work on. But um, we will work on those. We will try and fix those little things. But um, we're absolutely delighted. Absolutely delighted. Um, 24 points out of possible 25 we just keep putting pressure on other people and I think people are looking at us thinking that the pressure is on us the pressure is not on us um, we're just keeping the pressure on other people and um, just going out and enjoying what we're doing and um, there's, there's great positivity among the group and at times there in the second half it, it wasn't um, by any means perfect but to hear lads um, 
slapping each other on the back when we make mistakes and telling lads to move on and next job and to um, to push on. It, it, it's great to be part of this group and it's great to, um, I suppose, have that belief. And um, We have gone through some tough times this year. Uh, Jimmy was showing us a bit of footage earlier in the year against Breve and we've come a long way since Breve and that was only a month and a half ago or whatever the case may be. So, look, um, we've had our tough times this year but um, ultimately we've come out the other side and um, it's great also uh, to have a few lads coming back as well to bolster us uh, Todd Quinn did outstandingly well to get 60 minutes today uh, John Cooney's not too far away from getting back and we have a few other lads coming back in f- over the next couple of weeks that will help bolster the squad and um, give us a little bit of emphasis going into the last couple of games because um, with the games that we have coming it's going to be about the squad and as I said, there's a huge belief there, and there's um, there's huge honesty in our in our in the players around the place. So um, it's it's great great place to be. That game was a microcosm of the season as well, because like within it you had the great start and you had some great rugby, but then you had this problem in the middle. Uh, you're talking about mistakes. You know, Dennis Buckley knocked on Matt Healy knocked on. Two players had great games, but they were moments where you could have caved in on yourselves. You conceded 15 points, but then we saw the defensive stand the work that you're doing on defensive malls all that stuff came to the fore at the end yeah um, I think that it was a short turnaround and there was a few battered bodies after last weekend um, let's not underestimate how important the win was again last week against mm. the Ospreys and um, we had a few battered bodies and it was a it was quite a short turnaround I know um, Edinburgh had a short turnaround as well but the um, we didn't get to do an awful lot uh, of training this week just in terms of um, physical wise um, which is probably the worst week to come into it because uh, you know what Edinburgh are going to give their physical team they um, you know what you're going to get and it's kind of stop as if you can and I think um, I must give good, big credit to the forwards I thought it was a, a great effort um, their maul um, is very very strong and I think, I think we did a real good job there and to score a try was a cherry on top as well from our point of view but um, I think coming into the game um, and the way things are I suppose um, you're always going to have periods of dominance and you're always going to have periods where the other team are going to have their dominant period and it's just a case of trying to weather that storm and trying to I suppose stop them from scoring um, obviously we didn't help ourselves with a couple of mistakes in there but um, as I said the positivity and the belief that was there when, when that happened we knew that if we could get the ball back and get into our um, our own uh, systems and, and hold on to the ball we, we knew we had the players and the capabilities of breaking them down and to score four tries was, was great um, to, as I said to get to get five points out of it was huge and um, we're going home very happy and um, it's a great way to finish uh, we took this as a block of five games and um, we targeted 20 plus points and to come out with 24 out of 25 is huge I just have to ask as well just to finish you've been on, on the road with Connacht a long time we've all been following them a long time just looking across the pitch here in Murrayfield I've seen some bad days here to see what 300 odd fans saluting you it's all this momentum that's around this team you've you got to be targeting some big things I know you want to, want, to, want, to, want to talk about finals or what you want or playoffs or any of that kind of stuff but you've got to have a lot of belief that you can go further than this yeah there's, there's massive belief in the squad um, we flew over yesterday morning and there was, there was a lot of fans on our flight and um, even walking around we went for coffee and our usual kill a few hours in the morning and there was lots of people around and I think that um, with 10-15 minutes to go when you hear the chance of Connacht Connacht um, I think the fans believe and um, last week as well at home uh, I suppose we're, we're getting nosebleeds we're up so high at the moment and um, look as I said belief is huge at the moment um, we're going out there thinking we can beat any team and um, we're, we're putting ourselves in a great position and um, we also can't get ahead of ourselves. We've we've huge, huge games coming um, in a few weeks' time. We've got the three uh, Derby games. Uh, Glasgow, um, who have a couple of games in hand, they'll be. We've no doubt Glasgow will be in the top four by the end of this. And uh, we've Treviso away, who are a very difficult side. Uh, Munster saw that last weekend. So, yeah, look, um, we're, we're doing the best we can. Um, We've, we've put ourselves in a great position with, uh, with the last four or five games so um, we can just keep doing what we're doing and hopefully um, it'll be good enough come the end of the season um, we, we have a couple of great opportunities ahead of us and um, we're looking uh, to have our best ever season people will say we've already achieved that but um, that's not the way we're looking at it
we were just saying we're going to drop in a little bit of Edinburgh or the old Christine spoke to the media afterwards, spoke very well. One of the young players coming through, Hoyland, King Home, other players played really well also. But uh, it's interesting to listen to Christine first. And then you'll just hear from Alan Solomons as well, who he, he can be a grumpy player, uh, coach when he wants to be. Uh, before the game, he talked about the fact that Connacht are now a big budget team, I think was one of the words he said. He also said they're not affected by internationals. Just Robbie Henshaw is the only player that's taken away from them. So I don't know. We'll have to send him a video of Alton Delan as well. Um, well, he was coach at Ulster, and uh, I'm going to be blunt, he's a grumpy South African. He never comes across as a very happy man. I was actually surprised by how loose they played at times last night, but then they were chasing the game. That wouldn't be his format. And again, in, in another interview with Tom English that you'll hear later, he talks about... the. Uh, there is a, a definite distinction here between Edinburgh, who play... Dower Scottish rugby and Gregor Townsend at Glasgow who are really are playing a game very similar to ours. Okay, so let's start with Alan Solomons then since we've linked into it and then you'll hear from young Christine who's a star for the future. Alan, how can your side be so bad in the first 40 and, and so inspired afterwards? I mean, it's just, it's just I, I think weird, the first 40, if you look at it, first of all, give Connor credit because they played very well. But every time we got onto attack, we turned over the ball, particularly at the breakdown, invariably a penalty. Now, it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be three or four penalties. They kick into your territory. They hold the ball very, very well, and you'll end up defending for five, ten minutes. And we spoke about the breakdown at halftime, and that was the key, that if we turned over that ball, we were in real trouble. In the second half, uh, we rectified that. We also felt that there was space out wide. Um, <coughs> if we looked up, especially looking for, uh, upstairs where we, we were, we could see that. Um, we rectified that in the second half and made a huge difference. And But for, we had two defensive lapses, and, and the lapses not at the end where they had the, the scrum. That, that was a break that they got through almost on the halfway line. Two defensive lapses cost us 14 points in probably the game. Where was the rageometer at halftime? No, I think the problem was, it wasn't a question of the rageometer. The, the, the problem was that we were turning over the ball against a side but you must remember, this is a side that is doing well, that's confident, that's pretty much at full strength apart from Henshaw, and we are a side that's sitting with uh, nine, never mind anyone else, nine forwards out. So, you know, we, we are up against a good side, and we needed to rectify the breakdown. So it wasn't a question of rage. It was saying to the guys, look, it, it relates to everything. We spoke about how we carry the ball into contact. We spoke about uh, the need, where we isolated, to buy time for us. The placement, the clean... And I said, if we got that right, it would make an enormous difference. And there was definitely, as I've said now, there was space out wide. And we got it right in that second half. I thought it was a tremendous uh, comeback by the side. And it's just really disappointing that through two lapses, I mean, listen, full marks to them. They took the two lapses, they translated that into points. They, made, they got 14 points. Um, it's just, you know, unfortunately in that first half, we just couldn't hold onto the ball for any sort of period to build up any momentum and... And really take it to them. You know, they took two tries pretty well, and then you know, after that, uh, we came out and you know, we gave it you know a real good shot. But just, just you know, a few lapses just after we've scored, you know, I've let them in for probably two quite easy tries to be quite honest. But, what was said at halftime? Uh, at halftime, it was all about you know we just need to be more aggressive in our collisions and you know win the battle. You know, in the first half they were getting over the gain line. They were you know they were they were beating us through the collisions and. Uh, managing to build up momentum, which unfortunately we just couldn't really uh, couldn't really stop for that first half. So the you know, defence coach really put an emphasis on that we need to get off the line and uh, make those collisions and you know win them. I wish you fought back to get a bonus point at the end. How yeah, could that be? Oh, it could be hugely valuable. You know, we'd obviously rather have the win, but uh, um, you know, one point, you know, it just sort of keeps our hopes alive for top six and potentially, you know, if we go really well in the last sort of five games and. Um, you know, we can hopefully make the top four. You know, it's still the aim, but you know, it does keep us alive for certainly top six and moving into the Champions Cup. There you have it, the view from Edinburgh after the game. Time to move on to our last link. William, you were busy. We've already heard from your, your chat with Andy Nicholl, but uh, you were also talking to an Irish journalist who's based here in Scotland and he's established himself very well over here. Uh, always here on BBC Radio for the Rugby Nights on Friday nights. Myself and yourself are big radio listeners anyway, so we tune into BBC Radio Scotland regularly enough when there's big rugby matches on. Tom English, a well-known journalist and a very respected journalist within uh, the Irish community, but well-respected over here too. So uh, he was on, on Scottish Radio and you got a chance to chat to him once he put the headphones down, the microphone down and was finished for the evening. 
Yeah, they do a three and a half hour program every Friday evening of build up and commentary and stuff. So uh, it was a long time before they were finished. They went into the Connacht and uh, sorry, Edinburgh Connacht match in huge detail after yeah, the game. Absolutely. They really, uh, Mike Blair uh, took it apart, the former Scottish captain. And uh, Tom in the interview alludes to what he said and gives us a really good uh, mindset from a slight distance. What did you make of that game this evening? I thought it was a thriller, to be honest. I thought it was the right winner. Uh, Connacht were exceptional in the first half. Clinical, precise, ambitious. Um, and they blew Edinburgh away, and they were 14-0 ahead at the break, but they should have been further ahead. Then Edinburgh came into it. Edinburgh are very much a second-half team in recent games. They've The last three games now, very slow starters. I expected them to come back into it, and they did. But they left themselves too much work to do, and I think Connacht were uh, were good value. And uh, to get a to get five points out of here is not bad at all, because not too many teams do it. It's only Edinburgh's second home defeat of the season. Um, both teams had won prior to this evening's game. Are people starting to maybe appreciate a little bit more what's actually going on at Connacht? Without a doubt. I mean, I did just finish with BBC Radio Scotland there. Mike Blair, the former Scotland captain, was one of our summarisers. Um, uh, and he was uh, eulogising Connacht. He knows all about a Connacht. And it's not, I'll tell you what, it's not It's not patronising. They know all about Connacht, these people. Uh, because Connacht have won absolute huge respect. Top of the league. Playing really, really good rugby. Um, and it helps, you know, that the names, the names, you know, everyone knows the names. I mean, it's not, it's not just the old Delan, obviously, who's missing tonight, but that kind of guy helps, you know, it helps the profile of Connacht. Um, and Blair was, uh, Mike Blair was was really impressed, particularly first half, and particularly when, when Edinburgh came back in at second half, scored three tries. The way Connacht finished, finished, finished Edinburgh off was, was pretty clinical. I mean, it was Edinburgh poor, really poor defence off the, off the side of that, that scrum. But none of the boys on our side, or at least on my adopted side, let's put it, put it that way, had any qualms about the results. Connacht definitely deserved to win, and I think they deserved the five points. Looking at uh, Edinburgh this evening, it struck me that uh, that's a very young backline with a lot of potential. Yeah, it is. It is. I think Hoyland is a good is a good footballer. Kinghorn is a good footballer. These are kids. They've played very little rugby. Um, the big problem for Edinburgh is the Six Nations: uh, Dickinson, Nell, and Ross Ford. That's the Edinburgh front row. It also happens to be the Scotland front row. So those guys are missing uh, today. Their captain. Uh, uh, Grant Gilchrist, he's also injured. He's plagued with injury, that guy. Terrific second row. Uh, John Hardy, their open side flanker, another one of their leaders. Again, a Scotland player, again, missing. So they're missing, you know, uh, the guts of their pack. Uh, and Solomon's their coach, was obviously outlining that uh, 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 repeatedly post-match. But still, you know, Edinburgh played well second half. The second half performance, if they had that in the first half, they might have won the game. So there's only so far you can take the, the missing players as an excuse. Um, they are a young side. They're developing. The criticism that Solomons gets from the Edinburgh fans is that he, doesn't, he keeps them on the leash too much, that they play percentage rugby and that he, he stifles them a little bit with his game plan. I think, he, I think there, is a, there is a degree of truth in that. The Connacht game plan now seems to be great belief in a fast offloading game played with a lot of conviction, something that you wouldn't traditionally associate with Connacht. Yeah, I, I loved watching them, particularly first half. I loved, I loved their ambition. I loved uh, what they were trying to do, uh, offloading, precision. Uh, they destroyed, they destroyed uh, Edinburgh at the breakdown first half. Um, the scrum, Edinburgh scrum, uh, Connacht scrum, well on top. Um, their their line-out mall, well on top. Edinburgh had a man put in the bin trying to cope, trying to drop a, a line-out mall from Connacht. They also scored off a line-out mall, Connacht. So I think they, had, they were holding all the aces first half, 14-0. It became a bit hairy in the second half because eventually... Uh, uh, Edinburgh started to get Cornell Dupree, their back row uh, on the ball, who's a very influential player for them, great offloader 
they started to make things happen. But it just shows you that Connacht's their their focus and their spirit is is really really strong. They didn't they didn't buckle when Edinburgh. And to be honest, I thought when Edinburgh got to win at a point, I thought I thought Edinburgh were going to win it. But Connacht cool as you like, and that's that's what you get when you have a team who won such a winning run, uh, used to winning. Um, they went down there cool as a breeze and won the game, and that's they have a winning mentality now. It's a great mentality to have. We've talked about ambition there. Where are Connacht going now? People are start. I mean, I've been following them for so long that I'm, I'm nervous. I don't really want to. I, I'm kind of going, yes, well, that's another one ticked off. But really, where do you think they're going to finish? Or what, what, what is the achievable target for this season now? I think they can win the Pro 12. I mean, I genuinely think they can win the Pro 12. Uh, it'll be difficult for them. Because, you know, when the other teams around about them get their Six Nations players back, it becomes a real dogfight. But I think they're as good as in the in the last four now. And in the last four, with the unity that they have, with the familiarity that they have, with Delan coming in and Henshaw coming in, I think they're as good as anything that I have seen this season. Um, I wouldn't rule Glasgow out when they get all their players back. They're like a shark in the waters, I think, Glasgow. I think they're lurking. Um, but on that form and some of the form I've seen from from Connacht this season, it's going to take a, take a hell of a, a team to beat them. And you can see Lamb, what Lamb is doing. You know, It's steady progression every every season. There's a quarter-final of the Challenge Cup last season. It's a quarter-final this season. Grenoble coming up. Um, better finishes in the, in the Pro 12. Now top of the Pro 12, deserving a six-point cushion. It's it's all on the upward curve, and I think it's 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 really. I'm trying to rack my brain to think: is there a is there a team in a better place? And I I struggle because I think this this team has something that that a lot of the other teams around about them don't have, and that's stability. They're not they're not that affected by uh, Six Nations cryoffs. They're getting um, opportunities to work together. And that's a valuable, valuable thing. Judging it from uh, the slight distance to here in Scotland, how does the Robbie Henshaw decision play out, do you think, with you? Or would, how would that be looked upon in Scottish rugby? Um, it's, I think in Scottish rugby they're, they're a little bit confused by it because they look at Connacht and they see the top, top of the tree in terms of the Pro 12, in terms of the Irish provinces, of course. And I see he's leaving. But I think at the same time, they know they know Connacht's history. You know that this is what happens. Unfortunately, with Connacht, that uh, the best players uh, uh, leave to go to the, some of the other provinces. Um, I think it's a shame, but I think it's inevitable. Uh, and if it does mean that next season, while he's played for Leinster, that Connacht are less competitive. That's 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 a real problem, you know, and that's a that's a it's a crying shame because I know it's it's in Connacht's DNA to be to be the fourth class citizen in in Ireland, but they've proven this season that they're better than that. They deserve more respect than that. Henshaw was going to leave. I guess Henshaw wanted to leave, but I I just think under Lamb there's a real impetus, and if you take away and you keep taking away their best players that impetus will go so where's the long term vision I, I'm just very impressed with what I'm seeing from Connacht this season and last season and I wanted to continue and if I see the likes of Henshaw leaving it's, it leaves a kind of a sour taste doesn't it it does that's probably the way uh, we see it or the, we've, we've talked this one to death but it was nice to get a view from outside um, just looking forward to what which, which of the Scottish sides do you, th- you, you you've said there you think Glasgow are the team that are lurking I, I think I think Edinburgh may have blown it now. They've lost four of their last five in the Pro 12. I just think, in, fair, in Solomon's defence, I think he does have a legitimate point about all the the frontline players, particularly from his pack, that are missing. And it does really make it hard for him to win these games when he's missing six or seven international class forwards. Um, so I think Glasgow have recruited better. They have bigger depth under Gregor Townsend. So the, so the Glasgow team that are going out on Sunday play Cardiff, even though they are missing a lot of frontline players because of the Six Nations, 
they have they have greater depth. And I think Glasgow in recent weeks are beginning to motor. It took them a while. They had terrible disruptions with the with the World Cup. They had 20 plus players away during the World Cup. Then they came back and they had problems with their pitch and the matches were cancelled and there was a backlog and they did play a couple of matches in Kilmarnock and the season ticket holders were upset and it was just a bit of a, a bit of a, a difficult period for them. Recent weeks, two wins in a row and I can see things coming together. I would not be surprised at all if Glasgow got into the top four and became Connacht's biggest challenger. Thanks to Tom English for joining uh, William on, on that interview after he was finished because he had a long day's work, as William said. It is a great show. I just want to re-emphasise that, that, that Friday evening sports show. I mean, they started off by talking about the football. They're able to mix, uh, like they have Tom English there who can talk about rugby, but they also use him for the football analysis. They have someone back in studio. It's great sports radio. And I, I definitely think, like we know we have great sports radio in Ireland, but there are things we could expand on what we're doing. And I do like the way they mix live sport with really good analysis because what happens I think over in Ireland sometimes is you, they overload on the live games with no analysis of what else is happening so they, they manage to mix it all in really well and detailed analysis of what they're watching so when it's Connacht in Edinburgh let's analyse Connacht as well they spent a good bit of time talking about Connacht yeah, they absolutely did and just to give you an example of the slight different way sports works Scottish television last night, it was a two-hour programme. They started five minutes before the match kicked off. It was a long match. I reckon they had three minutes to wrap it up. So radio sometimes really does give you depth and the opportunity to tease things out rather than just a couple of very basic sound bites. William doesn't have any other business to speak of. 21 days without a rugby match. That means there's two weeks without a podcast. A little bit of a break for the craggy crew. Yeah, break for everybody. A uh, bit of Six Nations and plenty of other sport to watch, but uh, they they need it. They they need to get players back fit now. It'll be as many hands to the pump as Connacht can manage uh, for the for the for the end of the season. It's, it's, it's all on. And and you know what else is on? The Connacht Clan Table Quiz, which is on Thursday, March tenth, Dolbar, where the Craggy Crew defend their title. With a new signing, Rob Murphy, who I don't think is going to add literally anything to the party, but he's there anyways. You just have to open the bar tab, Rob. Oh yeah, I've got that covered. Yeah, I've got the credit card ready and cleared and good to go. And Dave Finn will just answer the questions and we'll take it from there. We'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, do get to that. Uh, great event and it's good, good, good. Like obviously the clan are doing great work. Yeah, and it's not a sports quiz. Uh, there's maybe a few sports questions, but it's not going to be who played for Ireland in 1973 once on one leg at Lansdowne Road against whoever. It's, it's, a, it's a general, it's a fun night. It was great fun last year. There was a good crowd. So come along. It's for Galway Simon. Support them. Fully agree. Just to finish as well, the Connacht fans have been mentioned a few times throughout this podcast, but oh, what an effort from the travelling support. They were so loud at key points. There was a huge chant of Connacht that went up when Edinburgh had a line out in the Connacht 22 when the game was slipping away from Connacht. So well done, everyone who came over. Absolutely, and get to the sports ground on Easter Saturday afternoon. It kicks off at quarter past five. You need your ticket now, and you need to get up there good and early to get your spot. Oh yeah, Connacht have confirmed there will be extended terracing behind the goals for that one, so there's still going to be a bit of room to squeeze you in, but I'd get them fast. That's it, folks. Chat to you in a few weeks. Time off. Woohoo!